know that our worship to God collectively is not about the externals. It is not about how good the singing sounds or how beautiful the prayers that we have prayed this morning may be. But I believe in some regards that those things that we can see from one another on the outside should be a reflection of what is on the inside of each one of us. And if our hearts have been in the right place this morning, if our hearts have been attuned to the heart of God, I think that that is going to come out in the sound that we hear. And what a beautiful sound we have heard this morning in singing praise to our great God. And that will be heard in the words of the prayers that have been offered this morning. And so I hope that your heart is in the right place. As we have just sung that last song, I was thinking about the, the scenes in the Bible from places like Isaiah chapter 6. As Isaiah is there in the presence of God and the cherubim and the seraphim are bowing before our great God, the mighty creator of all, shouting, holy, holy, holy. And then my mind went to the book of Revelation and thinking about the 24 elders and all of the heavenly hosts that are surrounding God there at His throne, and they are bowing before Him day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy. And to be humbled, as we have already thought about this morning, as Brother Lance and, and Brother Xavier have brought to our mind this morning at the table, of just how good God is to us, and we certainly don't deserve any of those blessings. But we this morning as God's people have been able to partake in that praise, not only here on earth, but also in God's home in heaven where that praise is going on continually. What a blessing it is for us to be here. We thank those of you who are visiting with us this morning. As Brother Kerry mentioned, we have several of our own that are away and uh, being a holiday week, that is going to be the case. But uh, we are thankful for those of you who are visiting here with us this morning. And to see some familiar faces among us, it's good to see uh, Becca and her uh, new husband Ben with us. I think they are in the process of moving from California to Georgia, and so going from uh, one side of the country to the other side. And uh, we certainly are happy that they are, uh, have, have taken time out of their trip to come and to be with us this morning. And uh, David and Carrie Weller are here with us, the Alderson's uh, son, uh, daughter and son-in-law. I don't know them real well, but I knew them uh, because they live in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, close to where we lived in Kentucky for a number of years and worshiped there at the Douglas Hills Congregation. And I just have a good uh, friend and brother in the Lord, Mark McCreary, that has been there for over 20 years, I think, serving as an evangelist and one of their shepherds. And so it is uh, good to be reacquainted with them again. I think it was five years ago that I decided along with a couple of uh, other Christians that we were going to post one Bible verse a day during the month of November on Facebook. And it was going to be a verse that had something to do with giving thanks to God. And so we did that for 30 days. And, and that exercise, I would tell you, was good for me. If nobody else got anything out of that, none of my friends that may have read those post or not got anything out of that. It was a good exercise for me. And as I was involved in that particular project, you might say, I began thinking about how often the 
idea or the concept of thanksgiving appears in Scripture. In the New American Standard Version, from which I am preaching this morning and I often read and study from, the following words, thanks or thank, thanks, thankful, thankfulness, thanksgiving, gratitude, and grateful appear a total of 183 times in 29 books in Scripture. 71 of those references, as you might guess, are from the Psalms. The Psalms are just chock full of the psalmist offering his thanksgiving to God for who he is and what he has done for him. But those seven words that I just mentioned there, they appear in 12 of the 39 Old Testament books and 17 of the 27 New Testament books. And what all of that tells me, at least, is that wherever we are in Scripture, whether we are reading and thinking and reflecting on things that are said to us in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, whether we are looking at books of history or wisdom or poetry or prophecy, whether we are thinking or reading prose or poetry, that our Bibles are filled with this idea of thanksgiving. And because that is the case, our Bibles, the Word of God, those words that have come from the mind and mouth of God Himself, if this book that we call the Bible is filled with thanksgiving, that we as God's children must be people who are filled with thanksgiving as well. And so this morning, as we begin a week of thanksgiving in our country, I want us to think about our need to be people that are filled with thanksgiving. We're just going to really hit on two different ideas this morning. I don't know if that means the lesson is going to be short or not. Uh, but we're going to think about Thanksgiving from the standpoint of it being kind of a door or a gateway to God in which we can access God and then think about how we need to be people who are filling our lives with this great idea of being thankful to Him. I want to begin in the Psalms this morning. And so if you have your Bible, as we think about Thanksgiving being a gateway to God, to Turn to just several psalms to get our minds thinking in that direction. First of all, to Psalm 100. Very short psalm, but I think it's chock full of many great thoughts about God and how we need to approach God as we come into His presence to offer worship to Him as we live in His presence every day. Psalm 100, the psalmist here says, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. In this very short psalm, the psalmist is coming into the presence of God. It seems to me that he's coming to offer worship to God. And I don't know if he is offering worship just by himself on a private individual basis or whether he is coming into the assembly of God's people to offer worship to him. But how does he come into the presence of God? How does he enter God's holy gates as he describes it here in this short psalm? How does he enter into the royal courts of the king himself? Well, he does so with two attitudes of heart, doesn't he? He comes with praise, 
that he is here to magnify and to glorify and to exalt God, to lift God up in his worship to God. But he also comes with thanks. As you notice there again at verse four, he is going to enter into the gates of God. That, that says to me, this is kind of the doorway, if you will. This is a gateway to being in God's presence as he's going to open the doors, open the gates into his palace or his courtyard. And he's going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. He's come, going to come into the courts of God with praise. Here is a man who ever wrote Psalm 100. Here is a man who knows a lot about God, doesn't he? He knows that God is a good creator. He knows that God is a good and faithful shepherd. He knows of God's everlasting faithfulness and of God's everlasting loving kindness, that God is a God of steadfast love. And therefore, this psalmist comes into the presence of God with full thanksgiving in his heart, but also thanksgiving on his lips. Psalm 95, I think, is, gives us a similar thought as to what we just read here in Psalm 100. Psalm 95, notice verses 1 and 2. The psalmist begins this short psalm by saying, O, let, o come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. And then at verse 6, he says, Come again, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Much like the psalmist of Psalm 100 that we just read, here is the psalmist again coming into the presence of God. It seems to me that he is entering into God's presence in a very, very special and unique way to worship Him. And he does so again, just like the psalmist of Psalm 100, he does so with thanksgiving in his heart. That he's coming with joy in his heart, but he's also coming with thanksgiving. He is coming to worship the great I am, to bow before him, to kneel before him with thanksgiving. Putting both of these psalms together, I think helps us to see that being full of thanksgiving is a must. And if we are going to come before God, if we are going to live a life that is pleasing to Him, if we are going to come into His presence to offer worship to Him, and that it does serve as this doorway, this gateway to our great God. But thanksgiving, I would suggest to you, not only serves as a gateway to God's presence, it also serves as a gateway to the good gifts that God has given to us. To help us to think about this particular point, I want us to go to a couple of passages in the New Testament. First of all, from 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We might not often consider this particular text in line of what we're thinking of this morning about this idea of being filled with thanksgiving in our hearts and in our lives. We may think of this from... Maybe somewhat of a negative standpoint as Paul is talking to Timothy here and giving Timothy some admonitions about uh, the way that people are going to be and about false teaching and false doctrines that would come in. But let's read the first five verses here. Paul says at 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. 
For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. So again, as we put just a few verses here that we want to highlight, especially three, four, and five into the greater context of all five verses that Paul is saying, I think to Timothy, at least one thing that he is wanting to stress or get across here is that those who don't know God will reject his good gifts, that God has given us marriage as a blessing to us, as something that should be a gift to us, something that he wants us to enjoy, that will point us to him. God has certainly given us food as a blessing and Many of us are going to partake in that blessing later on this week. We will probably uh, either have family or friends into our house or we will go to someone else's house that we know and there will be an abundance of food and God has given that to us to be a blessing. It is a gift from Him. And so those who really don't know God will just reject His good gifts. But those who do know God, Paul says to us in this text, that they will receive those gifts But how are we to receive the blessings and gifts that God has given to us? Well, Paul, like the psalmist, says to us here that we are to receive those things with gratitude. Verse 3, he says that these are things that God has created for us to share in, and we are to gratefully share in those by those who know and believe, uh, believe and know the truth. And then again at verse 4, everything that God has created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. This whole idea that we're thinking of this morning to come before God and to be people who are filled with thanksgiving as we think about that in worship as we've already talked about from the Psalms, but just as we think about that in our everyday life, that we are grateful that we show our gratitude and our thanksgiving to God by accepting the gifts that he has given to us, by using them in the proper way. God created all things good, as we know from Genesis chapter 1, and he desires that we be people who are gratefully sharing in them as well. Not being filled with thanksgiving will keep us from knowing and enjoying God. I want you to turn to the book of Romans for just a moment. Uh, Another passage that in our mind may be Uh, kind of filled with a a lot of negative ideas as Paul describes uh, the environment of his day, which remains in our day. In Romans chapter 1, I don't know if I said Romans 12 or not, but Romans chapter 1, let's begin reading here at, uh, let's just back up to verse 18, get a little bit of the context here. Paul says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, focus especially on verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Drop down to verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We often turn to this text, and rightfully so, to think about, you know, we look into the world around us and to think about how bad things have gotten. That as Paul highlights here for us in this text, in the next few verses, 
about the sin of homosexuality, about men lusting after other men and women lusting after other women and trying to fulfill those God-given sexual desires in a way that he did not intend for us to fulfill them. But in the midst of all that, I have to think about what Paul says here in the two passages I have on the screen in verses 21 and 25. Where did all of this start? How did people get to the point where they said, I'm just going to reject God's order of things. I'm going to reject God's plan in the way that he created us as males and females. And then you get down to the very end of this chapter, like verses 28 through 32, and you go through this whole list of sins that Paul mentions here. And you think, how do people get to the point where they are just wicked and evil? And Paul, I believe, gives us the answer here at verse 21. He says, failing to honor God as God, but also failing to thank God, that that is a first step toward just totally rejecting God. How do we get to the point as a culture where we have taken God out of our thinking, where we have removed God from any thought among us as a people? It begins, Paul says, by not being thankful to God. You see, when we remove God from our thinking, from our words, from our actions, there really is no one to think, to thank when you think about it, if I can get that out. Because God is the one from whom all blessings flow. I was listening to a, a podcast recently that Chris Emerson, I know many of you know him, uh, does once a week called Excel Still More. He just has a wide variety of topics and text and thoughts, things sometimes that we don't think about as much as we should. But in one of those recently, I think it was last month, there was what was called a World Gratitude Day. I didn't even know that that existed. And I don't think Chris did either until he heard someone say that in a conversation and Googled it and did some research on it. But, you know, he was making the point in that 20-minute podcast about how all, you can go to a bookstore, you can look on Amazon, uh, you can see books, you just type in or go to the bookstore and, and look under uh, uh, books that talk about how we ought to live as people, how we ought to be grateful. And they approach it from a standpoint of taking God out of that, that you ought to be grateful and thankful for the blessings that you have. But you know, if we look at life just that way and we remove God from the picture, we might be thankful and grateful people as long as everything's going well for us, right? As long as we have good health, as long as our job is going well, as long as we don't have family issues, as long as people are getting along with one another in our neighborhood or at work, you know, we can be grateful people. But what about the times in our life when things aren't going well? When we were dealing with sickness and maybe we're about to lose our job and Maybe things aren't the way that we want them to be in our family. And if you take God out of the picture, we're not going to be a grateful people. But he also made the, the point in that short podcast about how many worldly authors approach that idea of gratitude or thankfulness and removing God from the picture and saying, well, we just need to be thankful to one another. Well, if we're just here by chance and we're just a product of evolution over millions of years, why do we need to thank anyone? And I think that's the way that our society is going and where we are as a society as a whole is that we have just become, for the most part, an ungrateful, unthankful people. But when you put God back in the picture, He is to be the focus 
of our thanksgiving. And so I hope you have seen that in these passages this morning. But to come back to our thought for this section, if we want access to God, I think we can safely say that we must be people who are filled with thanksgiving. Well, what does that look like practically in our daily lives? Well, to begin with, it looks like being a people who are thanking God at all times, in all seasons, in all circumstances of our life. As I just mentioned, it doesn't really matter what's happening on the outside. It doesn't matter what our external circumstances are or are not, that we know God so well and we are in such a close relationship with Him that we are going to be thankful and not only be thankful, but as we're thinking about in the previous point, we're going to be people who are filled with thanksgiving, whatever we are dealing with in life. I want you to go back to the Psalms for just a moment. First of all, to Psalm 119, this beautiful, long psalm that talks to us about the Word of God and how we need to approach God's Word, but also how we need to approach the one who has given the Word, God Himself. Psalm 119, just notice a couple of things that the psalmist writes here. First of all, from verse 55, he says, O Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. Then drop down to verse 62. He says there at midnight, I shall rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. Again, I don't know exactly who wrote Psalm 119. There are some scholars who think that it was David and certainly it would fit a lot of what we know about what he wrote in the Psalms. But David, or whoever the psalmist here is, was saying to God that he was always thinking about God. Whether it was day or night, whether things were going well in his life or whether they were not, that he was thinking about God. But especially it's interesting to me that he says there at verse 62 that at midnight I will rise and give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. What happens at midnight? I don't know. Maybe some of you are night owls. <laughs> Uh, in my younger days in life, I, I like to stay up late, not so much anymore. But most of us are sleeping, right, at midnight. Especially this time of year, you're probably sleeping in a nice, warm, comfortable bed. <laughs> and the last thing you want to do is get out of that warm, comfortable bed at midnight. This, this is a time that God has made. It's dark outside. It's time to sleep and to sleep well. But here's the psalmist saying, even at midnight, I'm going to get out of my bed and I'm going to thank God for who he is and for what he has said and what he has done for me. And so at least an application for myself is this, that there are some nights that I may wake up at midnight or one or two in the morning and I stay awake for a little while. And sometimes I have a hard time going back to sleep. And a lot of those nights I have spent talking to God I haven't always maybe done the best job of thanking him and praising him as a psalmist here says that he did. But here is at least an application for us that if we stay up or we wake up late at night, that we can use that time wisely. We can use that time to give thanks to God for our many blessings. But more than just a specific time, I think the psalmist is trying to draw to our attention the time, the, the, the important point that whatever time it is, whatever our life is like, it is never a bad time for us to thank God. Turn to Psalm 92 for just a moment. Psalm 92, here the psalmist writes, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. 
Here, morning and evening, the psalmist says, are both great times for us to just pause from all the hustle and bustle of our daily lives and to thank God for who He is, that He is, as the psalmist says here in this verse, He is the Most High. He is the one who is ever faithful, ever loving, and ever kind. He is the one that we can count on. Sometimes when we even ourselves are unfaithful or unloving or not kind, that God remains who He always is. Morning and evening. Maybe the idea is before our day really gets busy, in the early hours of the morning, and then when our day of work is completed in the evening that we begin and we end each day being filled with thanksgiving and expressing that to our great God. The passage that Brother Kerry read for us just a few moments ago from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 probably is a very familiar set of instructions to us where again he says at verse 16 that we are to rejoice always, we are to pray without ceasing. I think we know those two instructions very well. But notice what he says in verse 18, And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, Paul says, we must be people who are giving thanks. I would suggest to you that word, everything, means exactly what it says. That there is nothing in which we should not give thanks to God, that all blessings come from Him. It doesn't mean, by the way, just like we say sometimes about the previous verse, to pray without ceasing, that we have to quit our day jobs, that we can't as parents take care of our children, that we can't do all of these other things that we do every day, and we just have to devote 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 a year, to just praying to God. But I believe that he is saying that is a focus of our life. This is, as he says there at verse 20, God's will for you in his son, Jesus Christ. This isn't just a suggestion. This is an instruction. This is a command from our creator that in everything we give thanks. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul, I believe, kind of fleshes this out, at least in my mind, a little bit for us. In Ephesians chapter 5, a text that we often turn to to talk about how we are to worship God in song, that we are to sing to Him. And certainly that is a part of what he says here. But I want you to notice something else that's said. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 18, this idea of walking wisely and redeeming the time that God has given to us He says at verse 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Notice verse 20. He says, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So keep that instruction in mind and turn over to the companion passage in the book of Colossians in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 beginning at verse 15. Paul says here, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Putting both of these passages together, Paul is is giving us, I think, some instructions here. And these instructions come in the middle of 
two texts that talk about our one another responsibilities in the body of Christ. But as we are working together in Christ, as we are worshiping together in Christ, as we have this common relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ, he says in all of that, notice that we are to be people who are thankful. Not just people who express our thanksgiving, but he says we are to be people who are thankful. We are to be people, as we just mentioned a moment ago, who are always giving thanks for all things. In whatever you do, he says in Colossians 3 and verse 17, in whatever we do in word and in deed, notice that we are to give thanks in that through Jesus Christ to God our Father. The emphasis that Paul places upon doing everything in word or in deed and being people who are filled with thanksgiving, that if we truly recognize who God is and if we are truly dwelling on the fact that God has blessed us much more than we deserve, that ought to just be our natural response is that we are thankful to Him. While David certainly is a great example and the psalmist are great examples of people who are filled with thanksgiving in the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul, I believe, is a great example for us in the New Testament as Paul prayed to God, the one that he recognized as being the giver of every good gift, we find in the life of the Apostle Paul that he was a man who continually thanked God for his beloved brethren in a number of places. We're not going to take the time to read all of these passages. I'll just put them up here for you on the screen. But it has been impressive to me for a number of years that as you begin to read many of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, that he begins by stating to that individual or that congregation in a city that they were always constantly in his prayers as he was praying to God day and night. He was thanking God for them. You see here in the Apostle Paul was a man who was filled with thanksgiving. Was, was Paul's life easy? <laughs> Did Paul always have good health? Did Paul, uh, was Paul one who was prospering from a financial worldly standpoint in his life? Were things always going Paul's way? No. In a number of these epistles, he was sitting in prison. And it's not like the prisons that we have today, by the way, in this country. <laughs> there, there weren't TVs in the prison cells. You didn't get three meals a day. You, you didn't get uh, clean clothes or uh, being able to bathe or things like that. It was often that he was sitting in a dirty, damp, cold prison cell with very little, if any, light. And yet, even in those circumstances in his life, here was a man who was filled with thanksgiving. He was able to take time out of his busy life to thank God for what he had done for him. And especially to thank God for the brethren that he had all over the world who were praying for him, who were serving him, who were continuing in the good work of preaching the gospel of Christ. And so here's the takeaway for you and I that whatever our life is like, whether it is good times or bad times that we are experiencing, whether we are experiencing sickness or health, whether we are impoverished or we have an abundance of riches, let us be people who are filled with thanksgiving for God. But let us also be people who are doing everything that we can and taking advantage of every opportunity that we have to express our thanksgiving to Him. Sometimes we might be very good as the world 
and many of the authors of worldly books would tell us, we might be very good at thanking other people in our life, and I'm not diminishing that one bit. We ought to be thankful to our husband, to our wife, to our parents, to our brethren. That's good for us to do. But let us make sure that we are thanking the one from whom all blessings flow, and that is God himself. Because if we begin to develop an ungrateful, unthankful heart, brothers and sisters, somewhere along the way, if we live long enough, we're going to end up being the kind of people that Paul described in Romans chapter 1. And we may think, that, that's not possible for me. I, nev- I will never be there. But again, be impressed with the fact that Paul says this all began because they did not honor God as God, nor thank Him. What about you this morning? What about your life? Whether you are a child of God, a follower of Jesus Christ or not, you need to come to the realization that God has richly blessed you. God has richly blessed each one of us. In the words of Paul, as he spoke to the people of Athens in Acts 17, that God has richly blessed us with life and breath and all things. We, we are sitting here this morning breathing God's air. Do we think about that? Do we thank God for that? Would you show your gratitude to Him in all that He has done for you by making the decision that you want to come and serve Him and give the rest of your life to Him this morning? Would you come and make the decision that you want to be a follower of His Son, Jesus Christ, and that you want to live a life of thanksgiving and gratefulness to Him the rest of your days. If you're not a child of God, as we're about to sing this morning, would you be resolved to put that life of sin to death and to live a life of newness and righteousness, that which truly is life, that can only be found in God and His Son, Jesus Christ? If you're resolved this morning, would you act on that resolution? And show your gratitude to God by giving yourself to Him in service and obedience and humility for the rest of your earthly life. Whatever your need might be this morning, if you know that you're subject to the invitation of Jesus Christ, won't you respond now as we stand and as we sing?